0: There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Aranato. Meyer Jensen, a personal entry law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Awesome to be with you. Welcome to Thursday night. Coming up in a few minutes, my good friend Derek Gould is going to join me. And we'll be talking about the lockout, uh, where this all is, where uh, we think it might go, we'll dig into some of the issues too, um, and we'll have a nice little baseball conversation. Probably try to get to some Cardinal stuff later on in the uh, interview as well. I uh, just wanted to jump in here quickly on a on a fun story. I mean, there there I am trying to work some like on field baseball stuff in every day, uh, at least a little bit. Uh, tomorrow I'll get back to the kind of the Cardinals primers I've done, everything but the infield. So I'll take a look at the infield uh, coming up tomorrow. Not not a lot expected to be to be different there, but but we do have to consider, and I know I talked about both Juan Yepes and, and Nolan Gorman in the DH conversation, um, and we'll have to have them in the infield conversation tomorrow too. Although I mean Yepes' work in the infield would only be. On days where Goldschmidt and Arana- or Arenado are either getting days off or are playing DH themselves, but Nolan Gorman is an interesting guy, right? I mean, he's highly rated prospect, considered one of the best power hitting prospects in the minor leagues. Very advanced for a young player, um, and we, we've seen all of the the rankings come. Out. Not all of them, I should say. But, you know, Baseball America, Keith Laws have been out. Uh, Kyla McDaniel from ESPN. Uh, put his top 100 out here recently Nolan Gorman number 18 on that list and today on espn.com they had a column that was bold predictions for MLB's top prospects for 2022 and they're just you know they they picked up the, you know a bunch of their baseball writers those that cover the team or maybe write fantasy or whatever but a bunch of their baseball writers picked out individual rookies uh, and made bold predictions for them for the regular season and uh, we had one, Eric Carabell for ESPN, wrote about Nolan Gorman. And he said the, bo- the bold prediction is Gorman will hit 30 home runs for the Cardinals this season. Now, the write-up kind of hedges a little bit just with the idea that, you know, if he spends the season in the major leagues, and, um, you know, that's, that's certainly not a lock at this point. I mean, whatever he does in spring training – uh whenever that rolls around whatever he does you know when he gets the opportunity to show his wares or you know look i mean minor league spring training is going to be going on here uh in the not too distant future uh what he does there maybe what he does when the minor league regular season you know gorman is not on the 40 man yet and that means he'll report with everybody else uh, with, with the minor league players. And, you know, if, if the minor league season starts before the major league season, well, guys like him will get an early start and get some reps in. So, if they, you know, if he were to show, hey, I'm, I'm this good right now and I'm ready to help, I, I don't think it would be a shock to see him early in the year. Uh, it de- there, obviously depends on some things. Like, if you're scoring a lot of runs and you don't need to rush him, they, they probably won't. I mean, your outfield, as I mentioned, is full uh you're you're settled at first and third Tommy Edmond won a gold glove at second base last year so they're they're certainly going to be committed to giving him every opportunity especially with their commitment to defense the one area that's kind of up in the air is shortstop you know depending on what DeYoung and Sosa do and that won't be an option for Gorman but it it would be for for Tommy Edmond who was drafted out as a shortstop and played a bunch of shortstop in the minor league so Certainly something that you could you could ask him to do, although I don't think it's his strongest defensive position. Uh, he certainly could do it. And, of course, you have the DH, too. And I, I would agree with the assessment that if Gorman plays a full year, 30 home runs would make sense. I mean, that's just the kind of player he is. I don't know yet how ready he is to be a consistent hitter. Um, I know that he's got more power than, than Dylan Carlson, and Carlson hit 18 home runs last year in a full season. And I don't know that I would predict Gorman would hit 30 right out of the gate, but I'd be pretty comfortable saying 25 if he's going to play 130, 140 games. And that's just the level of power that he has. And I'm fascinated. You know, I I know I've touched on this a couple times, and I'll keep it short here, but, you know, the offense wasn't as bad as you think it is if you just look at the surface-level numbers. You know, they're middle of the pack. Well, they were a lot better than that on the road. So this is not a bad lineup, but it's a tough ballpark to score runs. Now, the, the good news, by the way, is your pitching benefits from that, the other team struggles with that too. The visiting teams that come to Bush Stadium also struggle to put up numbers. So it's fair, and your numbers on the road are very good. And if you're adding a bat like Nolan Gorman, you're adding a bat, like Juan Yepes or some combination of those two and Lars Nootbaar and others. If you're adding some of that pop and and hopefully getting a little bit better year out of out of a few guys, hopefully getting a healthy year uh, out of Bader and O'Neill, the lineup should be pretty good. But adding power though makes it a lot more dynamic, makes it a lot more fun, makes it a lot more interesting. So I just thought I've, I thought that was a fun prediction those top Cardinals prospects have been getting a lot of love this offseason uh, especially Gorman and Jordan Walker uh, but certainly Matthew Libertor and the catcher Yvonne Herrera also both getting recognized by a lot of the prospects evaluators coming into 2022 all right coming up next I'm going to be talking to my good friend Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch here on KMOX i right, back in on KMOX talking to baseball, and it's always a good day when I get to talk to my buddy Derek Gould from the Post Dispatch on Twitter at D Gould. Derek, I wish we'll talk about this later, maybe a little bit too, but I wish we were down in Jupiter having these conversations, <laughs> See, seeing workouts and stuff. And uh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll maybe bring that up a little bit later, but obviously, uh, some news today. Not all that exciting, right? A 15 minute uh, meeting proposal that was offered up by the players. So, I guess let's just start. You know, we haven't talked about this on the air in a while. Just just give me your kind of takeaway from what we saw today and whether or not you, you assign much meaning to it.
1: Uh, it's interesting that the union dropped one of its goals or at least repositioned one of its goals, which is probably a good sign when you think about it, that they went in and said, okay, look, we see that the owners have not addressed this or they have not addressed it in a way that we want Let's reduce some and reposition in another way to achieve a goal closer to what we want, but not entirely what we want. They did that by saying, okay, you know, they wanted arbitration for all players with more than two years of service time. Instead, with the offer today, according to reports there from New York, what they've done is they've gone back to something of the Super 2, which got arbitration rights for some of the players. Um, but access to greater salary for all of the players that are pre-arbitration. Um, so in effect, what they did was they reduced the high-end salaries by not getting more players into the arbitration while creating a way to increase more salaries before arbitration, which then sets the standard into arbitration. So it is it is... Um, it is Cl- getting closer to achieve their goal, it is done so while recognizing what the owners were not willing to move on, and so it's a reposition almost in response to mm-hmm. what the owners have offered, which you got to like. Um, I don't put much stock in the length of meetings. I know people want to hand point. 15 yeah, fifteen minutes. Well, you know what? If it only takes fifteen minutes for them to put the offer down, say here's our idea, then Major League Baseball goes, okay we'd like some time to ourselves to go over this. There's no reason for the union to sit there while they do that. Um, these meetings, you know, could be done. Yeah, know, I mean, some of these meetings could take five minutes, not because they are, you know, not because they aren't productive. It's just because that's the nature of, you know, going to the table meeting and then going to their separate corners to figure out what's next.
0: Seems to me that there are a couple of things here. I mean, like, first of all, and tell me if I, if you think I'm wrong on this, but one of the things that I talked about this week was...
1: Hey, Kevin, real quick. I have never halted when having an opportunity to tell you.
0: <laughs> I just always want you to know the door's open. I've never
1: hesitated. No, I've never that's
0: hesitated. True. That's true. And you shouldn't. You should never hesitate. Um, I, I positioned it a little bit earlier this week that, you know, the 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 owners got two major, what I would call concessions right out of the gate, right? What were things that the players wanted to talk about? They wanted to talk about getting to free agency earlier, and And the immediate reaction was, nope, non-negotiable, will not even talk about it. So that's not even Mm -hmm. on the board anymore. To me, that's a pretty big concession. And then it was, of course, more about getting into this arbitration earlier, uh, and it certainly looks like that's the idea with this new proposal, because now it sounds like the CBT moving is almost non-negotiable at this point. And I'm not sure that that moving up changes anything for the majority of players that's probably just more for the top end guys because i don't know that we're ever going back derek to where the middle class guys the quote middle class veterans are getting paid what they used to it's it's just too much about efficiency now and that doesn't change just because the cbt goes up
1: no but you can change it by raising the floor if you can get younger players paid more earlier then this notion of minimum value or minimum salary players in concert as a group providing the same production as one middle class player for you know for half the cost or for one-fifth the cost really if you can change that equation then you change how teams look at value and that's a big part of the competitive balance or competitive factor of this discussion you hear it in the coverage you hear, hear it in <clears throat> excuse me, and how, how general managers talk. Mm-hmm. You hear it in how reporters talk. We talk about, like, well, what value are the Cardinals going to get from that contract? What value are they going to get from that player? You know, we talk about it with the designated hitter, right? You know, it's a question of will they go out and sign Schwarber or do they think they can get greater value from Yepes and Newbar in that role? Well, you have to change the equation of the economy. You can't change it entirely and maybe never – get it further, there but you have to in some way change it so that the, it isn't about value it's about how are they getting the best production how are they lining up the best production to get the most from the dollar and if you raise you know if you have and new bar are in line to make more money mm-hmm. and then the idea to spend more to get more production becomes more appealing to a team you know if it's twice as much to get you know, uh, half again, more production, that's a lot better than getting half production for one-tenth the price.
0: No, oh, that's a good point. And I, 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 it is also, to me, and I think a good thing, reframing how we look at this, because we I, I think it probably was true in the past, Derek, that the high-end salaries, you know, raised everybody, right? The rising seas, raise all boats, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I don't think it happens anymore. In fact, I think it actually it's has nothing. the opposite effect now which is why flipping it around, instead of thinking about trickle up, we need to start about, sorry, trickle down. We need to start pushing up from the bottom, which is what you're describing there. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, the the trickle down from the high-end salaries, that made a lot of sense in the 80s and 90s before the hedge funds took over and baseball became about risk management and and was run more like an investment portfolio. Mm -hmm. That's, you, you know, the CBA reflected a time when, you know, there, there just wasn't as much data. There wasn't as much number crunching. There wasn't the same use of an analytics as there was in baseball. It was more more of a free market and less of a stock market. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, that, that, and it's just been slow to change. And the union didn't prioritize making those changes. And the owners had no reason to, uh, because they were gaming the system. Let's be honest. I mean, we saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fallout for a ball. And we've talked about it now for probably you and I, the entirety we've covered baseball is, you know, just, just finding that. I mean, we even like have adopted phrases like, right, like the, uh, the, um, the market deficit or whatever, you know, the, um, just all the kind of things that will value it. Go back to that same phrase. We talk about value too much as opposed to a performance ability. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, performing. What's the value of that player versus well, what's on the back of his baseball card? Because yeah. I really don't think value is on the back of his baseball card. Well, it doesn't matter um, to,
0: eat, to any of us either, right? And it doesn't. I mean, we talk about is.
1: like, like think about how Moneyball was introduced to us, right? Moneyball was introduced to us with the phrase market inefficiency, mm-hmm. right? Which was kind of on base percentage, smart, thoughtful. Obviously, it was a market inefficiency, but it was a market inefficiency. You know, that's how we refer to it. No, it was just a better understanding of baseball, but we, we, we've just become, a, a, and look at who's being hired to run teams. Yep. That's part of this, too. You know, is it's just the, the CBA has been slow to evolve as rapidly as front offices have. The the, the front offices are ahead of the CBA when it comes to um, saving money and making money. and Changing a free market for free agents to a, you know, more of a stock market, um, to more of a risk management portfolio. And that is very true when it comes to even you think about how overvalued draft picks are now. That's like the venture capitalist of baseball. They're just overvalued, just to be blunt. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. one of the interesting elements of the CBA discussion that is going on is if you can increase the supply of draft picks however you do that if you can increase the number of draft picks that are available without reducing draft picks then you you then you you subtly lower the value that can be placed on you make them more you know it's supply demand right you make them more available quietly reduce the value the teams put into them and then you start to see things change a little bit
0: is it is it at all to me it's it's difficult Derek, to to Look at how these, the, this fight is being positioned and not, I, I don't see how ownership doesn't at the very least with their actions, not necessarily with words, acknowledge that they've basically won the last 10 years, right? I mean, revenues have grown way faster than the CBT. It's not even close, three to four times faster than the CBT. They've mm-hmm. grown way more than payrolls. And in fact, payrolls today are lower than they were five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And I get some of that's COVID, and, and I know that maybe it'll readjust and go back. But the reality no, but is A lot of that is
1: tanking. Well, to yeah, be of, honest. Course, it, of course it is. It's just tanking because teams are like, well, we could spend $110 million and get 80 wins, or we can spend $60 million and we can get 72 wins or 64 wins because the difference between 64 and 78 is not that big a deal. Right. It's right. more it's more beneficial to get the lower draft pick and save that money and save, pocket, pocket the, the revenue cash. Yeah, and yeah. pocket the cash than to spend the extra just to get an incremental advancement and look competitive yeah that yeah. is a huge problem that baseball has and i actually think like you were saying their actions and words i actually think the owner's words have been a victory lap for several years i don't think they've hid the fact that they've won the past two cbas if anything you know you some of the comments Rob Manfred have made through the years is, you know, reminding his employers that he won so much for that. <laughs> yeah.
0: he's right. He just said that. He just said that a week ago. Yeah.
1: I mean, look like, yeah, that press conference, it part of that press conference was an infomercial for how good he's done his job for his employers.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. Okay. it's not a secret how well they've done. And you I, know, and I, the, I, but And the players have to deal with that because the players prioritize quality of life. At one point in time, they yeah, got yeah. what they wanted. They got yeah. extra more days off. On the bus. They got yeah. Chefs yeah. In more the space clubhouse. on the bus, chefs in the clubhouse, dues handled differently for the clubhouse that was helpful for younger players. You know, um, you had, uh, um, better ho- access to some decisions at the hotel, um, better flights, you know, less of the all night flights. They prioritized quality of life and the owners were like, cool. <laughs> no problem. We're going to agree to that. And then we're going to put this, you know, the, the, the screws to other parts of the CBA and continue to make gains there.
0: Derek Gould of the post dispatch with me here on a Thursday night. Hang tight, Derek. Uh, we got more to get to. And I, I do think it's funny. Like, I got, I agree that the players, I mean, the players uh, signed off on the previous deals and they certainly prioritized things uh, that were not related to revenue because at the time, you know, payrolls had been going up and up and up, and they probably just didn't see a reason to expect something like this. But anyway, their miss, uh, but I, I wish we, we saw a little bit more of a cooperative tone from the ownership side. Hang tight, guys. We got more of Derek Gould coming up next. We're going to keep up the conversation. I might try to slide in a little Cardinal stuff there as well. So hang tight. We'll get back to Derek Gould next up here on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner, Big fly, Nolan Aranato. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Thursday night on KMOX, Kevin Wheeler hanging with you, my good friend Derek Gould hanging with me. You can find him on Twitter, at DGould, as if you didn't already know that. Uh, all right, Derek, let's, let's continue, because there's a lot of ground we haven't covered yet. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, we, we've we all wanted to see addressed in Major League Baseball, I think to differing levels, but certainly the players want to see um, competition increased. And I also think, like, just from the pure growth of the sport, right, or maintaining um, your sport in future generations that you know you want to you want to draw fan bases you want to bring in new fans in addition to entertaining the ones you already have and what are the ways you bring people in especially kids kids like teams that win you know kids aren't gonna be like hey I wanna I want to watch games and I want to go to games and watch my team lose all the time I mean winning is kind of a big deal I know it's not the only thing but certainly pushing competitiveness would be a good thing for growing the sport
1: yeah no I and that's something that the union has really kind of focused in their messaging and everything is the the sense that they do need to have a reason to raise the bottom, to be more competitive, the, the pirates of the world. Um, you know, I don't really feel like it's fair maybe to lump the Marlins and their current structure into and the we'll deal. We'll see. Day. yeah, they still the, have the, to
0: prove that, but yeah.
1: But they, they were players this winter yeah, and yeah. they've been players, you know, and they're, they had a new GM over the last few years and obviously Jeter and you know, in, in the ownership there now over the last few years. um, They haven't pulled the plug. They were in the playoffs in 2020 um, and got there, you know, like the Cardinals did despite a COVID outbreak. So um, I think, you know, I mean, the Pirates stand out here because of the situation that, uh, you know, because they're being in the division on um, the Cubs stand out because they were able to tank and then slingshot into a factor that didn't have the staying power. Um, the Reds. We'll see what direction the Reds go here, but it is just a clear and present issue for the NL Central. This notion of tanking and the fact that you know that that does tilt the the division race, that does change the structure of the standings. Um, because you're right, there's no penalty. There's there's actually a race to the bottom. They've incentivized getting to the bottom. Um, there is a bigger incentive to finish fifth than there is to finish third, and that's a problem. Yep. Um, how yep. they adjust. I would. Can I push back on one thing that you yeah. said there, though? Yeah. That winning is what entertains the, the next generation of fans? I actually think that there's something to be learned from San Diego. I mean, the Padres, they energized the city. They filled the ballpark. They had a lot going right for them, especially coming out of the pandemic. Now, they were winning, but they also were playing with panache. And they also had charisma. And in the end, they didn't win. They, their pitching fell apart in the same way the Cardinals did in June. It just did so on the Padres in September. Um, but they were still a draw. And I think there's something there because, you know, if you say that winning is the way to draw in fans, well, half the teams aren't going to do that. But there is something to the fact that if you play an entertaining brand of baseball, that that can also be a draw. Um, there has never been, I, I feel comfortable saying, I mean, the talent in the game right now is just absurd yeah. and it is so good. Um. You know, there's no reason why the angels, regardless of their record shouldn't play in front of substantial crowds because you have Otani and trout there and that should be a show. Now, does it help if they win? Sure. It gives them a bigger profile. It makes the fans go home happier, but I, but i don't think winning alone does it. and i think there's an example of that here with the cardinals the cardinals have won i mean they they've Plus, had a they run of winning 3 million a year here. right i mean it is but those crowds have started to shrink a little bit why is that i mean i think they well, do have to find a uh, i mean it, they, I, they I do it, have to think about the style and charisma of a team
0: i think some too. of that though we're going to find out more about in the coming years right i mean some of that's related to covid and people losing revenue uh yeah. people who lost jobs and all that stuff i mean I, but I think some I of that think, t- the team didn't down. capture
1: the imagination, though.
0: Right. I mean, but they haven't had any issue with that in a year where they're clearly a contender. I mean, you've had years where you know you're basically a, you're just a bit over 500, or you've had it with the pandemic years. I'm not sure that it it's a problem until uh, we see what things are like more normal.
1: I guess I don't know. I saw a playoff game at Busch Stadium that wasn't a sellout. Yeah, and that was before COVID.
0: Well, right. Because that was a, that was a, those those teams, you had what he had a four year run where you're basically just over 500. Yeah. Right. And I think that, that part, that's the thing. If, but if all of those years you're a 90 95 win team and you're making the postseason those years like you were in the years before that, I don't Mm -hmm. think you have that.
1: Well, Atlanta would like a word with you.
0: Well, I mean, Atlanta did the same thing in, in, uh, the nineties with the team that won the division every year. So yeah, That's what I'm saying. but Atlanta's also a different market. It's a, it's a, it's a market with heavy transplants and people from all over the country. And it's the same thing sure. you deal with in Miami and Tampa and LA. Um, I just
1: don't want to say that just be so myopic that it's winning yeah, because yeah. I don't think it's just winning. I think, I think there's something to the fact that the, the game has to have an appealing style too. I am agreeing with you that winning has to be, really important, but I don't want to miss the fact that there are teams that have exciting, talented players that are able to draw and that there are teams that are just kind of dull to watch. You know, they're kind of the the left wing lock of hockey at times and they're <laughs> winning, but is that the product that they want? I mean, be- just baseball has so much talent right now that it should have so much excitement around it um, if it didn't sabotage itself, either with this lockout or the style of play?
0: Yeah, they they definitely both matter because I'm using the Padres as the example. I think part of the thing there is though that the flashy players that are super talented also present the possibility of winning big. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. But I do think you're right. I do think personality matters. The excitement level matters because you know people say young players don't can't name big league players. They're you're out of your mind. They can and they're always paying attention to guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, because
1: they see them on TikTok and on. They're entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. They see, they digest the game differently. My son digests the game in highlights. You still got to play the games to have highlights. Yeah. But he watches a lot of highlights. He doesn't watch a whole lot of full games. Right. But, you know, that adds to my point about like, is he checking to see if his team won? Yes. He's checking to see the standing, but he's also checking to see what crazy thing Otani did or yeah, what yeah, amazing yeah. thing. Well, what's interesting you know, is Otani
0: is Otani's not even the personality; he's just amazing.
1: He's just like, amazing. He, he's
0: unique. I and think
1: he's personality is, too.
0: I think he is, but I don't think we see it because you don't get to hear him talk. Um, you know, obviously, you know he he doesn't speak English um, very well. I'm sure he does, you know, but you don't you see him with translators enough. I think the personality is clear, but he's also. I mean this in a good way, not in a negative way. He's also kind of the freak show because he does think he's doing things that nobody has ever done. Not even Babe Ruth did it like this all right. one time. So I think that there's definitely the uniqueness factor there. Um, sure. And and that's what's amazing about it is here's a guy throwing 100 and also hitting, you know, a home run every nine or 10 at bats, which is.
1: He's the most extreme example of somebody that I could point out on every team. though. I mean, yeah. let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, he is the most extreme example because he's doing what nobody else has done. But you and I could point to every team and say, This guy is doing this thing as well as or better than anyone has. That mm-hmm. could be this guy throws a sinker at 103 miles per hour. That could be this guy plays third base, unlike anybody else. I mean, you go around, and I'm not saying that like every team has somebody who is, um, you know, a Hall of Famer or everything, but I am saying that every team has somebody who does something elite that is entertaining and putting that on a larger showcase. I, I just think, you know, baseball would benefit from, and it doesn't have to be a winning team. It just has to be a more appealing game.
0: Derek, let's close with a, a quick Cardinal thing. And normally, you know, on a day like today, we'd be, you'd be doing your work and writing everything up and I'd be getting ready to go uh, you know, do a show from Florida in the back in the day, it was in our little broadcast truck, but I guess it's in a different place now, but like in a normal time, we would be in Jupiter at this moment. We'd maybe be making plans to go get some wings at hurricane wings tonight. How weird mm-hmm. is this just sitting here? I know we did this in 2020 as well, but it was obviously a whole different circumstance to me. I just can't get past how surreal this is that we have norm, relatively normal circumstances surrounding the sport. Uh, Mm -hmm. No pandemic that like it was in 2020 in the spring of 2020, but yet we we aren't doing what we're used to doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the first work stoppage for you and I um, when we're in this job, right? When we're in sports journalism. Um, Last time there was a work stoppage, um, I was I was in college, Um, so. At the closest I got was the fact that I wasn't coding up box course for the local paper. And if people still remember what Agate Page looked like and <laughs> that together, um, but you know, I, so I think it is it is a little different, and and maybe that's what makes it so frustrating is the fact that you know the the country is going to turn its eyes towards baseball here coming out of the Super Bowl, and baseball hasn't you know emerged. Baseball's not around. Yeah. Um, the usual rhythm um of spring is not there the sun dappled photos and sun drenched videos that people are used to getting you know on a day like today when it's snowing outside and know that you know baseball is but a turn of a calendar page away it's not there um i think i think that is frustrating i think you know for folks like you and i who adore the game um partly because of what it means culturally um part of which we part of what it means to us growing up. I mean, it's, it's why you rush to get baseball cards this week, right? The new tops cards are out, (laughs) you know, because, because that's something you just do, um, you know, being at spring training or hearing about spring training or translating to somebody, what PFP is, that's just something you do at this time of year and it's not happening.
0: Well, hopefully they'll sort this out in the not too distant future and then we can all kind of migrate down to Florida and get this thing going before we lose too many games. Hopefully, hopefully none. But I mean, I don't know, man, I was pretty optimistic about that most of the time. And I'm less optimistic about that now than I was before, but
1: always. I so say this week is the week that the last week is the last is the week where I went, Oh, yeah. this is, it sure seems like there should be a little bit of a momentum for a deal, but it's possible, you know, there, there are five minute meeting away, you know, to put it in, to kind of wrap it all around a five minute meeting away from uh, moving in the right direction where that five minutes include here it is we agree okay
0: yeah hope hopefully it was i was gonna say cooler heads but hopefully rational people just finally realize that you know you do need to pay attention to the the, your product and to your customer and not just to your battle uh over what is what amounts to i guess derek like three to 6% of your total revenue. I mean, let's not be stupid about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're fighting over is roughly that amount of money.
1: I, I hesitate to go there because some of what the owners want in place, as far as CBT, it really is. They, they are very protective of the governor. On yeah, the big market teams, yeah. and so you're not just talking about the revenue margin or a small sliver. I think I think when you talk about like the quality of life and the quality of pay and what they could do for minor leaguers, absolutely it drives 100%. drives me bonkers that if they don't want to invest more in players, I get some of that because of setting the standard, which then goes into play for arbitration and all that. But invest in the infrastructure. Then you know if you are yeah. supplying whole you know room and board. Um, at a high quality or a reasonably high quality for what you call seasonal employees, then you are just creating, that's the best circumstance possible for development and you're not altering their salary structure, which should alter, but you're, you're arguing, you're, you're altering and improving their quality of life. But to put the the other side of the equation on it, I do think that they are so fiercely protective drawing that moat around the CBT and even in effect, increasing some of the penalties, um, in some of these proposals to it, they sure seem like a group of owners, 27 of them that are worried about three of them making it out of whack and tilting the econ- the economics of the game so that a Tampa Bay cannot compete. And if it cannot compete, then does it become a crater?
0: Good point. Good way to phrase it and way to lock it down, buddy. Appreciate talking ball with you. Uh, we'll look forward to getting together soon, either here or down in Jupiter when they get things settled. By the way, we'll look forward to seeing you, bud. Thanks for doing this. That sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. And it's always a good time to talk a little ball with my friend Derek Gould. Even if we have to talk about stuff not on the field, we will eventually get to that. I'm looking forward to some version of spring training starting at some point, uh, hopefully, hopefully soon. And there's some stuff on Twitter this evening um, just b- basically – there's Evan Drellick reporting that essentially they've got to get a deal done by February 28th, um, otherwise the regular season will not start on time. So we got that to look forward to, which is nice. All right, we'll wrap up with a little more baseball next here on KMOX. All right, just a few minutes away from wrapping it up for tonight. Obviously, I have another full show for you tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. I'm not anticipating any big news in the labor talks tomorrow, but you never know, I guess. Uh, as Derek put it, uh, Derek Gould put it, you're five minutes away from um, getting closer to a deal or getting a deal done. Uh, apparently, I just saw this. Evan Drellick of The Athletic tweeted this like 10 minutes ago. He said there's a story circulating about an unfair labor practice charge filed with the National Labor Relations Board against Major League Baseball and he says it was not filed by the players association or by a player apparently apparently a fan f- <laughs> filed it like come on people you can't you don't have any standing you can't you can't do that it's just like the people that like we should have a fans union you don't need a fans union if you if you're unhappy as a customer just stop buying the product they will get the message. You, you know, that's one thing that's important to understand. I, I believe in taking care of the customer. I believe in, in taking care of the fans. I think that that should be the priority uh, with, with two sides that can't agree amongst themselves. I mean, they really should be looking at the long-term health of the game, which is about attracting fans, keeping fans, making the customer happy and i agree that that should be a conversation but look you and i you know you the, all of us that consider, consider ourselves baseball fans we don't need a union we pay the bills if we stop spending money if we stop watching stop going then that's our voice that's how that, that's how they listen to us that's it that's how you do it it's it's impossible to do because you can't get everybody on the same page You're talking about tens of millions of people and they all have different priorities and they all have, you know, I guess you could say uh, varying degrees of how much they pay attention to these kinds of things, right? Some fans, they show up when the games start and they watch and they go and when the games end, that's it. They don't follow the off-same. There are a lot of casual people out there but you, you know you ultimately do have control you just have to convince other people to go along with you and you know if you if you if you had that many people if there was a way that you could organize to say listen we're gonna we're gonna just stop going for a month just to make a point or a week whatever the problem is you're not going to get anybody to go along with you and that's why this, I mean, or not anybody, not you're not going to get a significant number, significant percentage to go along with you. It just it's that we're, we are too difficult apparently as a group to get on the same page when it comes to a diversified group of people that all have different world views. Uh, so you have the power, like you control what you spend, and if if enough baseball fans were truly saying, all right, we're done with this. Or we're tired of this particular thing, stop spending money and do it for years and don't just do it a little bit. Like you got to do it all the way. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Sports Open Line tonight. Thanks for tuning in. We got another two hours to get through tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, some better news and some more on field baseball stuff. And we'll definitely mix in some of that as we look at the Cardinals' infield situation for tomorrow. In the meantime, have yourselves a great night. We'll catch you tomorrow night here on KMOX.